Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Max for you. Uh, Max is going to tell us all about his nutrition and his nutritional lifestyle, uh, how it fits in with him and his family. So welcome, Max. So my name is Max. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Animal Based Lifestyle. Uh, I currently eat a nose to tail carnivore diet. Um, I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt. Uh, very busy, probably like the rest of us. I have six kids and run 12 businesses. Uh, neither of those numbers are exaggerated. It's somehow multiples of six, but I oversee 12 different businesses, have six kids, just on the go, uh, you know, training, working out, just, just busy. Um, I do a lot of, I guess, additional things too that I don't post about on Instagram. Uh, so a lot of, I would say, ancestrally based practices right? So that is connecting with the earth, right? Regular grounding, uh, thermal pressures, cold exposure, right? I've got a sauna in my bedroom that I use daily. Um, yeah, if you followed some of my posts on Instagram, you'll see when I did live in Idaho, I was swimming in frozen lakes and, um, you know, red light therapy and a lot of that stuff. But really, I think the biggest lever is nutrition. Um, and it was a really kind of a long journey for me to get here. It all started, again, as a kid, I ate the worst diet. Um, like, I was a picky kid, right? I really wouldn't eat, I wouldn't eat vegetables back then, which ironically, right, it's kind of funny, I ended up where I did. Um, but, you know, raised by a, a single mother, um, you know, her parents died exceptionally young, she kind of never learned to cook. So I grew up on Hamburger Helper and McDonald's and grilled cheese and macaroni and cheese and just that, that's it. Um, and then into my early adulthood, I ate the same way, right? I might have like KFC and Taco Bell for dinner. Um, you know, and I really didn't think nutrition had anything to do with anything. Um, here in the States, we had a product called Pepsi plus, and it was Pepsi with vitamins in it. And that was like me checking off my boxes. Like I'll just, you know, <laughs> have Pepsi plus and I can eat KFC and whatever and just kind of feel good about it and i realistically sold myself that that bill of nonsense for a long time um you know and then once i had kids things kind of started to change um, so that's that was the turning point for you then was it when you started your, your own family because obviously like you say you grew up through the standard american diet not really knowing whether nutrition had anything to do with your health or, or your well-being or anything like that. So the certain point for you was when you actually had children. Is that right? Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you just kind of have these more existential crises, right? Like my daughter had a dream. Uh, I think she was two. She dreamed I, I died. And, you know, I put her back to bed and it's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to live forever. Right. And I kind of put her to bed and I was like, I treat myself like crap. Like I'm probably going to die. Like this is terrible. Right. I'm smoking cigarettes. All I drink is Coke. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lazy. I'm overweight. I've been overweight my whole life, which by the way, I just assumed was my destiny, right. That just, I, you know, my parents are overweight. My grandparents are overweight. My cousins are overweight. My everybody, we're all overweight. Like this is just our genetic roll of the dice. Um, you know, and there's really not going to be a lot to change that. Um, and then kind of even beyond that, um, my second daughter was diagnosed with autism at two years old. Um, and you know, we had this wonderful neighbor that talked my wife into doing the gaps diet. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, the gaps diet. Um, but it's essentially, it's an animal based diet also. Um, and it essentially completely resolved 
her autism symptoms, which is kind of unbelievable because she's a cheerleader today, uh, highly social. Um, you know, and at the time it too, she was nonverbal, had never slept through the night in her entire life in two and a half years, not once. Um, couldn't go into the freezer section of a grocery store due to the sensitivities, hated the sound of the ocean, like just all of these uh, different stimuluses that she just couldn't tolerate, right? And then once we actually put her on the GAPS diet about a weekend, she started to sleep through the night. Um, you know, she started to actually smile back at strangers. She became more verbal, all of these wonderful things. And to me, like I supported it, but I thought it was ridiculous. Like this is nonsense. This is what you want to do. Fine. This is not going to do anything. This is, you know, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, and ultimately, it really opened my eyes that like, wow, food can be really powerful. Um, yeah, I always it, find it really interesting when people say where they first started off and who they heard it from. Because some people say influencers or some people, it's down to that one person in their life. And you say it was down to just a neighbor, just perhaps saying to you, why not try this out? Well, and that one person basically changed your whole life. Oh, they, they absolutely did. Uh, they really did. And I used to mock them behind their back like this wild, crazy, hippie person is starting off with some nonsense again. And I can't believe how silly this is. Um, and this is a long time ago. There was no such thing as influencers. This is over 10 years ago. Um, so there was, I don't think Instagram was a thing. Um, there was Facebook, but it wasn't, keto wasn't really a thing. Like this is all before so many of these kind of cultural buzzword diet things were a thing. Um, diet culture didn't exist, uh, you know, 12 years ago, kind of in the same way that it does today. Um, so it's really interesting to, to actually see it, to actually see someone's life change because of what they were putting in their mouth. Um, and up until that point, that had never happened in my life. I'd never experienced it ever. Um, and I had had all of these different things. I pretty much had IBS. As a kid, I thought it was normal to be in the bathroom for 30 minutes after you ate because that's what my grandpa does. That's what my dad does. That's what I do. Like, this is just normal. Like you feel sick after you eat. That's what happens next. Um, and I started to actually like, again, and I started at vegetables, right? I don't eat vegetables. So that's my first fear is I have to start eating vegetables. Um, and you kind of fast forward a little bit. And I was a vegan. I spent, I think, a solid six to eight months as a vegan, right? I drank, I, this is back in the days of, you know, these great documentaries, Food Matters, Forks Over Knives. Uh, this is pre What the Health. Um, that's a horrible one too. But, you know, I've kind of, you know, drank the Kool-Aid, as they say, in terms of these, you know, you don't need that much protein, animal fat is bad for you, you need all this raw food, um, you know, all of these raw vegetables. And I ate this very low calorie, uh, kind of terrible diet. I lost a lot of weight. Um, I thought I looked great. I thought I looked like Brad Pitt's little brother or something. I looked like a, a skeleton. Um, and around the, the same time, I started to actually include fitness, right? So I started running. Um, and this is where influencers come in, because this is the early days of the Joe Rogan podcast, which he kind of shamed me into additionally better nutrition. And because he talks about jujitsu so much, I tried out Brazilian jujitsu. Um, and I weighed like 135 pounds. Um, and I just got murdered. So I kind of had to start to incorporate meat back into my life. Um, you know, so I started to consume a lot of grass fed beef um, and things like that, put on weight, started feeling great, uh, started with like a keto, paleo, you know, high fat diet and kind of progressed from there. Um, 
So was, then, all, was this all when um, you picked up the vegan kind of lifestyle nutrition from your daughter? Was this taking it on to the, to the next step or was it just something that you decided to do at the time? No, she was doing an animal-based diet. She was actually eating all of these homemade yogurts and homemade broths and pate and stuff. She was eating all meat. So how I somehow correlated that to veganism is kind of weird, right? Because <laughs> when you start to learn, like, what is health? What is being healthy? Well, if you start to go with what is the general consensus, that's going to be, you know, 30 grams of fiber a day and these numbers of servings of grains and all of these, right? You just get all of this fake information right? You need to drink alkaline water. Uh, no, you don't, right? You don't. It's probably not good to have an alkaline pH in your gut, right? Your so, so, so regardless of you actually seeing what was happening with your daughter, you thought, well, I'll go with the mainstream. I'll follow what the mainstream is saying, even though your daughter was thriving on what she was doing, you thought, I'll just go with the veganism and see how I go there. Yeah, no. And again, for the purposes of like weight loss, it really worked, right? I've lost a ton of weight, including, uh, including most of my muscle, um, which took me a very long time to, to build back. Today, I'm 160 pounds, and I'm kind of a small person. Uh, so if you could picture me at 135, it's, I was little, I was very just frail, sarco sarcopenic, it was just bad. Um, and over time, I started to develop sensitivities to some of the foods I was eating, right? I did a stir fry a lot, which is lots of onions, bell peppers, right? And it would just be a ton of stir fry with a, a meat, right? A little chicken, a little, a little beef, not a lot, by the way, maybe like 10 ounces of beef and some stir fry, um, still not getting enough protein. Um, and I started to develop you know, rashes, arthritis, alopecia, uh, anxiety, like all these little things that upon further investigation turns out to be autoimmune. So um, I reached back out to my friend who introduced me to the GAPS diet and kind of had some questions, right? Um, and I got led to the autoimmune uh, paleo diet, right? Which is a, it's wonderful for treating autoimmune, but it also has a lot of wiggle room. You can have so many foods. And the way autoimmune works is the symptoms might not show up for three or four days and they'll last for six weeks. So when you're eating this list of foods, it's really hard to figure it out. Um, you know, and then you fast forward to 2017, 2018, you've got Sean Baker going on Rogan talking about this crazy diet. Um, yeah, which just, just, uh, can I just intervene there just to let our audience okay. understand that if you are going for a re kind of reset nutrition or you really want to get to what's happening within your body, if you really want to take it out and strip it out, then paleo and keto are not the best kind of nutrition to do that. Because as you rightly say, you're allowed so much wiggle room in them diets, in them kind of nutrition that you're not always sure which type of foods are causing you the problems. So if you really have got a problem or you have got an autoimmune disease or a digestive issue that you really want to get to the bottom of, you have to strip everything out and you have to go all the way down to perhaps something like you do, which is carnivore. I mean, it does make it, it does make it simpler, right? You can kind of figure out very quickly, right? If you haven't been eating avocado, all you eat is meat and you throw an avocado and your back hurts and you're anxious, avocado might be an issue for you, but it's totally fine on AIP. And so is, you know, almonds and all sorts of stuff. Who knows? Um, I don't remember all the specifics of AIP. It's been well over five years since I've, since I've done it. Um, but again, it's just too much, too many issues. Um, and even 
eating high meat and a lot of fat, high fat diets, even on keto, right? And way back when we were told keto was going to kill you. And now you go to the gas station and they're selling you keto junk food. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a buzzword. It's a marketing tool. But when my family and friends found out I was doing that, you know, over a decade ago, I'm crazy and I'm going to die. Um, and yeah, now I'm, I'm doing pretty good uh, being <laughs> on a high fat diet for over a decade. Uh, but again, finding Sean Baker, right? And I kind of thought it was crazy when he said it. And this is even from the keto point of view. You know, it sounds like he's going to die, right? You're going to get scurvy. You're going to have deficiencies. You're going to have a heart attack. This is insane. Uh, and I ended up at some point, you know, Jordan Peterson's podcast came out. Paul Saladino hit the scene. You know, there's all these different voices of, you know, this is like a very sound and reasonable option. And I, I tried it. And at the time, I was really dealing with a pretty brutal bout of crippling anxiety, um, just professionally with my life, with moves. It was, it was a lot. Um, and I started to find you know, food was just making me anxious constantly. And I think the first time I did carnivore, I think day three to five, like this, this fog had lifted, this anxiety that had been with me. Honestly, over a decade at this point, probably. I, I really can't remember not being anxious. It was gone. Uh, gone. Just gone. And I remember just feeling like, man, we've been lied to. Like, why don't I know this is an option? Why does this sound so crazy? Um, because it gave me my life back, right? Because when you're horribly anxious and you have mood disorders, you're, you're not as good of a, a boss. You're not as good of a husband. You're not as good as a, a parent. You're not in the present moment because you're always scared of the mistakes of the past or what's coming in the future where carnivores really allowed me to be in the moment. Um, and it's powerful. Um, and I've been just in this space for a long time. I feel really good eating this way. I don't miss bread. I don't miss fruit. I don't miss vegetables. I enjoy it. Like I'm not, I feel like I could include other foods. I could kind of move on to, you know, what is this customized, perfect for me diet? I don't have any desire to. I feel awesome. I feel great. Um, yeah, I'm almost 40. I'm training jujitsu with people half my age, performing very well, um, you know, professionally a go-getter, in good shape. I have abs. I didn't have abs when I was 20. I didn't have abs when I was 25. I got them now. Um, it's cool. I never even thought that was possible. Um, so it's kind of really completely changed my life. Um, and to say that to people who don't think what you put in your mouth matters is crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, I try and get that out there as much as possible. Try and push nutrition along with lifestyle as much as possible. If people are struggling, you need to consider it, changing your nutrition and changing your lifestyle. But I must put a big but in here, because like you've just described, you've worked your way up in a, in a sense, you know, gone through keto, gone through paleo gone to a low carb diet for a long time before you've decided to go right strip it all out go carnivore i wouldn't advocate to anybody overnight to go let's just go carnivore tomorrow especially if you've been on a high carbohydrate nutrition for most of your life it's probably not going to work for you and this is where we find a lot of people saying keto doesn't work paleo doesn't work carnivore doesn't work they're all bad diets it's simply because they've changed far too quickly you need to have that process of helping your body to change your nutrition over a period of time. And it generally takes quite a lot of weeks. I mean, it's great to hear you say that from three to five days, you could tell a difference. But again, remember, you had that background and that base to build on. 
that's super so are you actually full-on carnivore now then or do you do you still introduce some other things in there i mean almost never um like i i will throw in a little raw honey on some some goat yogurt here and there just to kind of mix it up right i do think the body still needs to be able to use carbohydrate for energy um so i like to on occasion you know throw in some healthy carbs but really very rarely um yeah, I do. I do drink black coffee, which is a plant food, um, and yeah, that's about it. That's that's a, it's mostly red meat is is predominantly what I eat, um, you know. And a big part of what I do now, and there's actually a lot of division within like the carnivore animal based community because I get attacked by fellow carnivores constantly. Um, and again, it's for what I post because I post fast food hamburgers a lot. Um, and part of that is my job. I travel almost daily, like very regularly do I travel 50 to hundred miles, uh, to oversee a, one of my locations. Um, and the, the corporation that I work for, if I travel will buy my lunch. So, right. And, and by the way, they're expecting you to kind of head a drive through something like that. Um, you know, that's kind of, and especially on a limited time. And I experimented with just getting some meat patties from Wendy's, whoever. Um, and I've been eating a lot of those for a few years now and I don't have any like ill effects. Like I feel just as awesome as when I'm eating grass fed ribeyes, except for I could eat a whole day's worth of food for $10. Um, and what I think this is important is this is an option for people that are not financially well. This is an option for people that are too busy. This is an option for people that just got to work too much, too many kids, too much going on. I don't feel like cooking. Like this is an amazing option. It is, now is this ideal? No. Is this optimal? No. Is this better than pretty much whatever else you were gonna do instead? Yep. Um, and it's affordable and it's everywhere. So people are gonna claim I'm in these food deserts. You have a Wendy's, you have a McDonald's, you have a Burger King. And, and a lot of these places, Five Guys is expensive, um, but it's delicious and I will hit them up as well. Um, but they're very affordable options. It's almost always beef cooked in its own fat with very little else. McDonald's throws some pepper on there. Wendy's doesn't. Five Guys has nothing. You go to Five Guys and get just beef fatties, you better bring your own salt. Um, and I'm yeah, all that's, that's super. I'm, I'm pleased you touched on that because when you mentioned that you're carnivore to somebody who doesn't know or somebody from the uh, peripheries looking in, then the first thing, and one of the first things they'll say is, wow, I bet that's expensive to be eating just meat all the time. But like you say, you can adapt it and you can change it to your own personal lifestyle. So I think if you, the worst thing, worst case is all you can afford is the lowest grade ground beef at the grocery store. Uh, in America, it comes in like a log, right? It's like a giant Lincoln log of meat for two to three bucks a pound. Um, you know, and there's carnivores in the space that, that eat this way. Um, you know, I know the thankful carnivore on Instagram, uh, Brett, that guy, I think that's all he eats is like a lot of Sam's club, Costco meat law, and it's affordable. Most people can make that happen, right? Most people can't afford grass fed ribeyes and strips and it's, that's expensive rising food costs, rampant inflation. Well now guess what? There goes my health. Cause I can't afford to be healthy Yeah, That's not true. There are more affordable options. And as a community, I think we should stop demonizing people that can't afford to support the best option. Yeah, I, when I cook at home, it's regenerative meat. It's from a local farm. 
sometimes, sometimes it's from Walmart, right? Because I don't feel like thawing something and it's right there. Um, and those are just the realities of life. So kind of no matter what other concession I do make, I stay within nutritional bounds that I feel okay with. Um, and I honestly, truly think the worst meat is still better than everything else. Um, yeah, 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 that's super important to say because so many people look at the carnivore lifestyle, the carnivore nutrition and think it's fillet steaks and think it's your salmon and think it's the only best cuts of meat that you can buy when really it's what you can afford. You don't have to go out there and buy grass-fed, organic. I mean, you can. And yes, that stuff is going to be better for you. But the, the, the mints and the ground beef that you can buy from the supermarket is so much more better than anything else that is processed out there. And you can do what suits your personal finances. You know, like you say, if you want to go to McDonald's, if you want to go to, to all the fast food places and just have the burger patties and, and live that kind of lifestyle, then that is going to be so much more better for you than a carbohydrate-heavy, processed food-heavy nutrition that most people are on anyway. So it's super important to understand that you can be carnivore on a very, very minimal salary. Um, so one of the options, one of like the analogies that I like to kind of make for people, um, and I don't follow a lot of sports, so I'm going to go like UFC fighting. Um, if, if you don't follow any of those, you're not going to get the analogy, but you might, because I'm going to use one of the big names that kind of everybody knows. But the grass-fed beef, I would say, would be like the greatest of all time, right? Khabib, right? Undefeated, the goat. Well, conventional beef, is Conor McGregor, right? Like, it's amazing, right? It's not the best ever, but it's still better than everything else, right? Like, it's still world-class. It's elite. It's high level. Is it Khabib and undefeated? No, it's not as good, but it's not Joe Schmo walking down the street. It is an elite-level competitor, and that is what the worst beef you can find as long as it's fresh. Now we start to get into jerkies and salamis and all sorts of weird stuff. That's a processed food. Uh, but when we're looking at the worst fresh beef you can get, it's better than everything else in the store. So, right. But if you post that online, suddenly you have all these detractors. Um, and I don't think for normal folks that we should be creating barriers to the entry of health. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What and it works, but I can't afford nothing but grass-fed meat. I will actually purposely eat this way to show you, look, this is an option. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm feeling good. And I eat the cheapest beef. Um, and it's easy, right? I don't spend any time. Somebody else cooks it. I don't have to clean the kitchen. Um, it's, it's amazing, right? So a big part of what I do in, in terms of Instagram and online is to really show people the power of what you would consider the worst meat. It is still better for you than kale. Uh, better for you than broccoli, right? You're made out of red meat. And and people really have this disconnect between like, like what in the kale that you're eating is going to turn into like heart and liver cells, um, right? But eating heart and liver, that's crazy. And I do those things too, by the way. You'll actually, I'll get people making all of these comments and there's, you know, it pinned in my posts or videos of me eating raw testicle. Like I do that too, Um yeah, I'll eat the whole animal, brains, testicle, you name it. If I can find it, um, I'm going to eat it, you know. Um, but when I'm 100 miles from home and I have a 20-minute break and I have six children and food prep's a little difficult, I'm making excuses. I could food prep if I wanted to. I don't want to. I have limited time. Um, and this is an easy option. 
um, that keeps me, again, not anxious, physically fit. I'm not worried about heart disease. I'm not worried about cancer. Where prior to, I honestly thought those were inevitable. You're going to get heart disease or cancer. Eat what you want. Have fun. You live once. Um, well, yeah, I'm just completely on the opposite end there. And I think what we do eat is powerful. And food that we've considered just evil and uh, the devil is actually like healing and wonderful. Um, yeah, we need and- more people to understand that. We, like, like you say, we're made of meat. We are an animal that's made of animal cells. So eating animal produce stands to reason that it's going to help our own animal cells. Eating the things that we are made of makes it so much easier for the body. Eating plants and things that we are not made of, our body then has to convert that into something that we can use. Just doesn't go down very well, gives us the digestive issues, gives us the problems. And I'm pleased you mentioned organ meats there as well, because over here in the UK, organ meats and and bones, marrow bones, things like that are becoming more readily available from your local butcher. And even into some supermarkets now, we're starting to see organ meats and skin from the animals and things creeping in. So people need to start picking those kind of things from the animals. You know, instead of going just for the steaks and just for the for the mince, you can get so much more nutrition from all of the organs, like the liver, the heart, the brains, the skin, the things that you that you mentioned. And also going back to what we just said, those things are a lot cheaper as well. And you can pick them up for nearly next to nothing, especially marrow bones. You can whack them into a slow cooker and have a, a great broth from They're them. So good. Um, and a pro tip, by the way, you can take any of these organs you don't want to eat and throw them into like a food processor. I put them in a Kisenart and just grind them up. And it's not at all made for that, by the way. My wife is not a fan. Uh, <laughs> I want to throw a kidney in her food processor, but I do. And then you mix it with beef and you don't even know it's there and you get all the beneficial nutrition and you can you know, make it into a cheeseburger or whatever you're going to do. But uh, I also take a lot of these, you know, desiccated organ supplements, which again, people hate on, but again, it adds value to my life. I can afford it. And when I'm on the go, it allows me to fill in all of these nutritional holes and I just feel better taking it than when I don't. Um, and again, I would prefer to, you know, source and prepare my own liver. Um, you know, or heart or spleen or, or testicle. But honestly, the, the supplements work pretty dang good. I don't know if, if you have testicles, I encourage you to try testicle and tell me that you don't notice a difference. Um, but you probably will. Um, so I'm just saying, just you look into that, you know, take that for what you will, but it's powerful. Like it really, really is. Um, I don't know if you can physiologically tell when you have higher testosterone, but yeah, I can tell. Um, no, you certainly can. You most definitely can. I can vouch for that. Yeah, it's, it just feels yeah. so much better. It gives you more energy as well. You know, it yeah. just gives you that extra bit of oomph that, that you're after. Uh, especially yeah. especially during exercise. You mentioned that you uh, exercise as well, doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So uh, when you're going through your exercise then, do you feel like some people I've spoken to within the carnivore community and some people I've spoken to who have gone low carb have said, they perhaps need, they feel the need, not biologically, but they feel the need that they want the carbohydrates. They need more carbohydrates to perform at a more higher intensity level with exercise. What have you found along those lines? But the exact opposite uh, is my experience. So uh, for example, I trained jujitsu five hours ago this morning. Uh, I haven't eaten since yesterday and I haven't eaten since jujitsu 
and I'm obviously pretty high energy at the moment. Um, I can go to what we call an open mat, which is essentially where we just show up and spar. I can go and do that two or three hours on zero calories because I'm fat adapted. Um, right. And then by the way, I'll have people in the comment section telling me this is too much protein that I'm eating and that I'm not going to be fat adapted. Uh, yeah, clearly you're wrong. Um, I can, I can, effortlessly fast. If there's not food that I don't want to eat, I don't need to eat it. I don't have a slump in energy. I don't have a slump in mental performance. I don't need carbohydrates. Um, and jujitsu is an explosive activity. It's very glycolytic and I've been doing it fasted for 10 years. Um, and came into it on like a high carb plant-based diet. Right. So I, I'm sure there was a transition. Um, I don't really remember going through it, I've been on a high fat ketogenic type of diet for so long that by the time I switched to carnivore, it just wasn't noticeable. Um, but I feel great doing it. And I'm, you know, out there murking 20 year olds who were, you know, probably drinking some kind of, you know, go juice right before, um, <laughs> you know, and it helps with recovery because I want to go train again tomorrow. Um, right. And eating more meat, honestly, like repairs your body. Um, you know, so if you're doing damage and breaking down your tissues, you need the appropriate amounts of protein and amino acids to rebuild and repair. So if you want to mix hard work with low protein, it's going to end in disaster. Um, and again, I think we really too kind of to touch on protein. I think we people have a an unrealistic and needless fear of protein, um, and that the recommendations are are insane. You know, there's overfeeding studies where they show people have had like 500 grams a day with no ill effect on, you know, kidneys or, or other markers. Um, if you have kidney disease, high protein might not be good for you. Um, you know, if your house is on fire, right, gasoline's not going to help. But just having gasoline in your house is not going to start a fire. Um, you know, so there's all these kind of false equivalencies that, that people make. And I think people really just don't know what's possible. Because I actually have worked with people. I'm working with a, uh, a young guy now that's lost like 60 pounds. Um, and all of the questions are just like, are you sure I can eat this? Like, yeah, you're going to be fine. Just eat it. Um, right? It really hasn't been me being helpful. Just kind of reassuring them, like, you're not going to die. You're going to be fine. This is totally cool. Your sister's wrong. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, right? You're not going to die. Like, not from this. Um, exactly that's what i find as well i do a lot of coaching and i often find that people say are you sure is this right you know it's, it's more of a guidance kind of thing rather than coaching just reassuring the fact that you're doing the right thing you're feeling great remember you're feeling great remember how you felt before we started and just keep going keep going with it because people are just bombarded like we said at the start with media saying no you need your fruit and veg you need your fiber you need all of this and that's going in their ears every day and in their eyes from the news. And when you're working with somebody like us, you know, you just need that extra little, it's okay, it's fine, <laughs> keep going. Are you sure? Are you sure? Um, and people, <laughs> well, and here's the problem too, right? Because the next point I was going to make is that people evolved uh, in the ice age, right? We, we evolved during the ice, problem in Alabama, a lot of people don't even believe in evolution. We're kind of in the biblical South here where, all right, I don't really know what to say. You got bigger problems than what you're eating. Um, you know, it's it's a challenging in the states sometimes with with certain fundamentalist people. Uh, but realistically, we evolved in a frigid and frozen environment where there's absolutely no fiber, 
no plant material. Um, and as the ice sheets came down, people went north because that's where the big fat animals went. We didn't go to the equator, we went north. Um, you know, and that's as a Northern European, that's where my ancestry comes from. Um, my people have been eating animals for a long time. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have like the lipase enzyme to where I can actually consume dairy. So I'm one of the few that actually can do dairy without any issues, which is awesome because I'm literally sensitive to everything else on the planet. Um, like I can't have rice, like white rice. I can't have the most basic of sushi without being anxious. Um, and I don't mean fried fanciful sushi. I mean like nori, rice, and salmon and a side of anxiety for about three days. It's just not worth it. Um, <laughs> You know, so I think a lot of people really actually, when they get down to the base level, like you say, to carnivore and start stripping everything out, I think you'll find that a lot of people are more sensitive to grains, are more sensitive to vegetables, fruits, that kind of thing, than they are dairy. Dairy has a big cloud over the top of it, and, and, and lots of people think, oh, it's the dairy that's doing it. But really, it's the processing of the dairy generally that's doing it. If you can get hold of raw milk, raw cheeses then those sort of things have all the healthy bacteria in them that battles against the lactose for one raw milk raw cheeses have lactate in them which balances out the lactose when you process it it has more lactate lactose so it has more sugar in it which tends to give you the problem whereas the grains and the wheat they're all the things that cause most of the inflammation dairy is being chastised too much in my opinion i think like again if you strip it all out you can actually find that loads of people because of what you just said our ancestors actually went north and more people are able to consume dairy than what than what they think uh it's demon right it's pus and it's you know it's going to cause inflammation and it's going to make you diabetic and people say that about me and um yeah, I haven't gotten my blood work done in a while, but I, I get it done. Uh, my hemoglobin A17 is under five. My, you know, my C-reactive protein's non-existent. Uh, there's no inflammation, um, you know, within, within my blood work at all. And in fact, even my cholesterol is surprisingly within the reference ranges. And I've been eating meat exclusively for years. Um, so I, like I can tell you firsthand, I don't need to see the research. In me, that doesn't work, um, you know, so. And another point that you kind of brought up that I want to touch on is people do have all of these symptoms and issues from food, but they've had it since childhood and they just don't notice. Like I said, I thought spending 30 minutes after eating a meal uh, and, and the bathroom was totally normal. Um, that hasn't happened to me in a decade, um, right? Like it's just a part of life that's gotten better where I was just so used to feeling like crap that I didn't notice I felt like crap. And once you actually feel good, that feels way better than food ever tastes. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's too many people out there that don't actually know what feeling good feels like. They just think, like you say, the way they feel is good, but they don't realize that because they've been dealing with that sort of symptom or that sort of feeling for the whole of their lives, they don't actually realize how much better it could feel if they stripped it all out and went to the basics and tried something like carnivore, a reset kind of nutrition, and then it may open their eyes to something which is totally different. But I do talk to a lot of people and I do work with a lot of people who are on board with it and they take it on, but they struggle with the fact that their families are not on board too. 
And I always say, well, why don't you just try leading by example to see if your family pick it up? Now you have a, a big family. So how do you incorporate this kind of nutrition and this kind of lifestyle with everybody in your family? Well, they don't. No one else in my family eats the way that I do. So I haven't forced carnivore on anyone. Uh, my wife is more on like a Sardinian type of diet um, where I've had to explain to her that like there's such a thing as Sardinian pork, right? And these people are actually known for eating animals. And uh, you know, we fundamentally sort of disagree from a nutritional standpoint. Um, it just is what it is. You know, we don't eat a lot of dinners together. That being said, um, you know, we just don't. Um, she ends up kind of doing her own thing with the kids and her dinner prior to me getting home. And I've usually kind of already eaten for the day. And she's totally cool with me not making a mess in the kitchen when I get here. So it kind of works for everybody. Um, you know, again, in my house, I'm not going to make my kids eat their broccoli, you know, but you got to eat your meat. Um, you know, you got to, you got to finish, you got to finish your steak. You got to eat your chicken. Um, I'm never going to make you eat your broccoli. My wife's going to cook it for you, right? But I'm, we're not going to make you eat it. Um, you know, you just, you, you've got to eat your meat. You, you need adequate protein. You need uh, you know, all these essential wonderful things uh choline you know carnosine carnitine there's all of these things that you have to get from meat so i want to make sure that my kids get those things um i have tried to stick them on a very strict diet in the past um and it was to their detriment it was just too much it started them sneaking food and these other behaviors that i decided when it's appropriate and i do try to live by example right so on halloween my kids know that i'm not coming for their candy do you know what i mean uh, they know that, hey, dad doesn't eat that, um, right? And they do start to associate my behaviors with health, um, with, you know, they, they, they understand that I'm capable of things that their friends, parents that are my age aren't, right? Um, you know, I'm out here doing cartwheels in the yard and they can't get up the stairs. Um, you know, and a lot of that is just what we're doing to ourselves. People should be, at, you know, at my age, almost 40, uh, able to move able to jump, able to play, able to do a pull-up, able to run, able to sprint, uh, able to crouch, able to get up. And people can't. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that is diet. Uh, you just don't feel like it. Um, you know, again, I, I on occasion will eat some things that I'm, I'm not proud of and that I regret. And I feel it immediately. And I'm like, this is why people don't work out. Like, you wake up feeling like this, like, yeah, this is terrible. I'm not doing that again anytime soon. Um, you know, and again, I don't encourage cheat days, especially with autoimmune, because the, you're going to feel it for weeks. You can't, you can't cheat. If your end goal is weight loss and not health, that's where these cheat days kind of come in. Uh, but in terms of autoimmune disease, um, there's no cheating. Sometimes I'll say to people that I'm working with, especially after we've done a good period of maybe eight, 10 weeks of working together, sometimes I'll say, go away and have your cheat day. You know, if, if you want your cheat day, go away and have your cheat day because then it'll teach you a lesson because then yeah. you'll see, <laughs> then you'll see why we don't have cheat days. They, then you'll see why it's not great to eat the things that you ate before, or it's not great to inflame your bowels with wheat or sugar or things like that. If people want cheat days, then go, if you're already fat adapted, if you've worked with a coach, if you've stripped your diet all the way back down, what you perceive to be a cheat day, if you want to go away and do it, then do it because you will know about it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you might regret it or you might make an informed decision. Um, and I think even if, right, this isn't like an all or nothing type of thing. Like you still, if you want to include cake in your diet, you still need to eat enough meat. Um, you still need the beneficial nutrients that, that 
we've always had in our diet. Um, so regardless of what you're doing, I do think you need to eat more meat. Um, you know, but we kind of we kind of move away from that. Um, and another thing that I really commonly get asked by a lot of people is, how do you eat the same thing every day? You don't get sick of that? No, I don't. I look forward to every you know bacon cheeseburger that I eat. It's delicious every time. It's awesome yesterday. It's going to be good later today, um, and it's going to be good again tomorrow, right? And I've been doing it for years. Um, I've, I've got two years solid at this point, just about on a consistent, strict carnivore diet. I have been switching back and forth between carnivore and paleo for the better part of five years, right? Like I'll stay carnivore for like a little bit and then I'll be like, you know what? I think I can have some sweet potatoes, right? Um, and then yeah, like even, even things that we consider healthy, I just have a unfavorable reaction to. And I- yeah, I mean, that's, that's the reason I really sort of followed you to start off with on Instagram and followed a lot of your content is because I always push out there an animal-based lifestyle because lots of people come at it from different angles lots of people will be able to tolerate other sort of foods in their nutrition like fruits like honey some people won't some people will so being animal based is the bottom line like you said i always go for something around about 90% if 90% of your whole nutrition as a whole is animal based all animal produce meat eggs dairy if that's your baseline 90% then work out what works for you for the rest of the 10%. If you want to introduce other things like fruit in there, we know it's not optimal. We know the optimal is about 100% carnivore. That is absolutely optimal. I've spoken to loads of different carnivore style, animal-based style people out there. A lot of them all all sort of hover around the 95% animal-based. Some will dip into 100%. Some will come a bit lower to 90%. But the overall thing is make sure you have that baseline of animal-based nutrition because that's the thing that's going to stand you in good stead. I think they're just requirements for health. Um, You can do other things, right? Like not eating rice isn't a requirement, right? Not eating avocado, it's not a requirement. but getting adequate animal protein, the micronutrients, that's vital. You have to have it. If you want to have that and rice, go for it. If you want to have that, do what you want. A, I don't care what you do, uh, but this is an option. And you know, the, the person that works in the factory and has a busy day can stop off at a Wendy's and have superior nutrition, better health, better mood, better relationships, longer life, from something that's already there that you've been told is not an option. And it, it is. It's an option. Yeah. And again, I think we have to emphasize the fact that don't just stay at 90%, you know, go up to the 100%. Have at least six to eight weeks, 100%. Feel your baseline, feel how you feel, and then add things in. Don't just keep going at 90% because you may feel better. It may be better beneficial for you to actually work out what is causing you problems, what is stopping you, perhaps having that ultimate performance in your exercise, go to that 100%. I will urge everybody who's on an animal-based lifestyle to at least for a month in their lives, go 100% carnivore, because then you will really be able to see if it's the coffee, if it's the dark chocolate, if it's the little bits of fruit or honey that you're having in, in your nutrition, you will see a difference there. But then again, if you want to add them back in, like we've just said, then whatever suits your lifestyle, whatever makes you feel good. 
Well, I would agree to say try a 30-day period. Um, I tried 30 days and have been doing it for two years, right? It was <laughs> just like, it was like, hey, there's not, I just don't feel the need to go back. I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing anything. Um, and again, I've added back in, you know, a little, um, little raw honey. And I think that's really about it. Um, yogurt and honey is a delicious treat. Um, and as a, like a hard charging athlete, um, yeah, I have something to do with carbs, right? Like I'm going to, I'm not going to eat more. My glycogen storages are usually empty, right? That's why I'm eating the honey. Um, I have plenty of place to store the carbohydrates and then I will use them, you know, within the next 12 hours. So it's kind of calculated. It's done intentionally. I'm not just like hanging out, um, you know, spooning honey into my mouth just for fun. You know, usually it's intentional, right? And I'm, I'm kind of doing this to top off some glycogen stores. I'm going to keep my body guessing. Um, you know, I like to, to mix things up um, just to keep it prepared, right? Body, the body adapts to these changes. So I like to keep things changing even within a limited, you know, framework, whether that be eating breakfast, even though I don't, right? Well, sometimes I'm gonna just because, right? Just show you what's what I'm in charge here. Yeah, that's, um, that's a super important thing to touch on because there is so many people in the keto space, especially that fast exactly the same every day, that eat exactly the same times every day, eat exactly the same amount of meals every day. And that is not the way to do it. It's not the way to approach a nutritional lifestyle. A nutritional lifestyle is your ability to be able to do everything, eat one meal a day one day, eat three meals a day the next day, fast different amounts of time and mix it up and basically just listen to your body. If you set yourself down a plan of I'm having two meals this week, um, two meals a day this week, and then I'm having one meal a day this week. It's not really listening to your body. It's just following a plan. The best thing you can do is listen to your body and mix it up. Like you say, that's, that's absolute optimal. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's realistically what our ancestors would have experienced, right? If you run upon a feast, you're going you're gonna to take advantage and you're not going to say it's not time yet. Um, and if you think it's time, but it's not there, then you're going to have to wait. Um, <laughs> and again, it, it's given me a power in terms of the fasting, right? If you land at the airport after everything closes and you haven't eaten all day, um, right? And then it's something else goes on. You just have to skip. It's not going to ruin your night. It's, it's fine. Like I'll eat when something acceptable is around where, you know, my travel companions are losing their mind because they need French fries right now. Um, <laughs> and I can't believe this place is closed and we got to stop what we're doing. And somebody, right? Like there's going to be an issue where for me, it's like not a big deal. Um, I'll double down in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's given me this power where people see it as a restriction. I feel free. You know, I'm in control. I can do what I want. Um, in terms of, you know, my nutrition and diet, I'm not at the will of my hunger. Um, where before I used to have to eat lunch by 11 in the morning or, you know, we're going to have a problem. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, now if, if I get busy and I don't have time to take a break, I just keep working through and, I don't have any negative effects or if anything, I probably lost a little body fat because I'm just oxidizing, you know, fatty acids for energy in a, in a really easy way. Um, I put on muscle again, the, the, the benefits are kind of endless. Um, and people don't even know it's an option. And again, when you do see the carnivore, right, it's, it's the organic mango and the grass fed ribeye and the right hand groomed, hand picked, whatever, but it's, it doesn't have to be that way. You can eat the cheapest fresh meat you can find and function, feel, and look like a superhero. Yes. Uh, and the average, the average guy on the street doesn't know that, right? So what, 
I kind of do on social media is to let us know, hey, like the lowest common denominator in terms of our options on this spectrum are going to change your life. Um, and I'm kind of the canary in the coal mine because I do put my money where my mouth is because I could food prep. I've got a half a cow in my freezer um, and I'll probably be at a Wendy's when I'm traveling on the road later. It's just, and again, part of it is just to show you, look, I'm still eating this way and I'm still doing great. Um, and I'm probably going to run out this portion of my experiment um, for, the foresee for the foreseeable future um, or until I can actually afford regenerative meat. I do think regenerative agriculture um, is a requirement to kind of save the world. But if we focus too much on saving the world and not on saving ourselves, we'll never get there. Um, yeah. And the lowest common denominator, the McDonald's, the Wendy's, the Five Guys, they can help you save yourself and then you can save the world. I think that's it. I think that's the way to look at it. Save yourself first. And then if everybody goes around saving themselves, then we'll get to saving the world in a kind of <laughs> a kind of a roundabout way doing it like that. Um, but so it's brilliant the way you put it out there with all your nutrition and, and everything that people can follow on your Instagram page. But are there other things that you add into your daily life as well? Um, a lots of people who are on carnivore, like we've said, adding exercise, adding fasting, but there are other kind of things that you can add into your lifestyle to make your lifestyle perhaps better, perhaps your performance in your exercise better, things like acute stressors or cold therapy, sort of things like that. Do you add any of them kind of things in? Almost daily. Um, so I'm, I'm barefoot as frequently as I can be. I'm actually pretty dressed down. Normally when I'm in non-working hours, I'm pretty much wearing some short shorts and that's about it. Um, like even in kind of cold temperatures, um, I get my, my feet in the earth every day, right? I get sun every day. Um, so another honestly weird thing for like crazy, uh, busy business people who travel, I actually in my car carry shorts, kettlebells, exercise bands. And I traveled to 12 different towns across Alabama, uh, all the time. And I would just pull over at a park, change into some shorts, take off my shoes and my shirt and work out in the sun. Right. And maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 20 minutes, but that's additional time that like you're setting your circadian rhythm, you're connecting with the earth. Um, you know, you're, you're correcting these electromagnetic fields, right? You're, you're regrounding, um, you're connecting with the sun, you're getting out there. How many people don't touch their feet to the earth, except for when they're at the beach or on vacation. Once a year, twice a year, you need it every day. Um, I think also, and these aren't my unique thoughts, of course, but we're not designed to be at this set temperature all the time, right? This is going to atrophy your vascular system. We are designed to constrict and dilate all of these blood vessels. And those processes do not occur when you're at 70 degrees in your home, and then you hurry up and get in your car where it's 70 degrees. And then you get to work where it's 70 degrees. You atrophy millions of muscles. So you should expose yourself to heat. You should expose yourself to cold. These are normal biological processes that the entire world underwent for the majority of history. And today you're crazy if you get in cold water and if you get in a sauna and if you take off your shoes. You know, we, we live in this very artificial world that I... I don't think the average person is aware of how artificial it is. Um, 
Yeah, everything again, that we've again, ever- they just take it for the norm. Most people just think, well, this is the normal. This is what we're meant to do. This is how we're being told to live. We're being told to get in the car, go to work, stay inside all day. The big one that you mentioned there is indoors. So much of people's lives are lived indoors. They're in the office all day. They're in homes all day. And especially through the the winter months, which we're going into in the UK at the moment, people never actually get outside for more than five minutes while they're traveling from their door to their car. It is so important for human beings to be outside. Like you mentioned, the electric, the electricity from the earth, the, the electricity, we are actually electrochemical beings. We need the electricity to help all our chemical processes happen within our human systems. So it is so vitally important to get outside. And if you can get outside and be in contact with the ground, then so much better. I mean, I agree. And I think even as a, a stress practice, um, coming home, right? Getting some sunset sun. Again, take off your shirt, take off your shoes, wear some shorts, put your feet in the grass in the yard um, and, and get a little sunset. It really helps calm you down, at least for me. And I'm one of those, you know, red line, stressed out, uh, you know, corporate hustlers that this helps and it helps me be calmer and then be in the moment with my children once I go inside. Um, and again, connection, connection with people, uh, you know, uh, reading books instead of watching YouTube or Netflix or whatever, like these basic old practices, I think just make me feel better and it helps me manage my stress, uh, which I think if it was left to its own devices would would kill me at a very early age because I'm, <laughs> I'm just in a stressful environment and we all are, kind of whether we know it or not. Um, you know, the lights, right? A fire truck, pet, like that's a stressor to you, even though it's not responding to your fire, you know, it's still all of this additional stimulus and warnings that we have to kind of offset by getting back to nature. Um, yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a great banner to summarize everything that we've spoke about today is stress. Your nutrition in general, if you're the general person going about eating all the processed foods, eating things that are inflaming your body, it is stress on your body. As well as all the daily things that you're doing, you're out of the sun, you're not getting outdoors, you're looking at artificial light all day. It's all stress and it's stress that builds up and it's stress that's constantly driving you. So when you fix things like your nutrition, when you fix things like putting little acute stresses in there, like cold water therapy or fasting or exercise, getting outdoors, when you add these things in, it lowers your overall stress and then you're a better person for it. So don't just think it in terms of, I'm changing my nutrition, I'm changing my daily habits. What you're doing is you're bringing your overall stress levels down and you're making your life, you're de-stressing your life in a way. So it's great to put all that under one banner. It helps people, I think, understand why it's important to focus on nutrition as well. I mean, again, I I couldn't agree more. Um, It just reduces inflammation, right? Your blood flows more freely, carrying nutrients and information. Um, where inflammation and like neuronal inflammation specifically blocks all that up. You know, your neurotransmitters, blood flow to the brain isn't working as it should. And now you're already in this stressful environment, right? We might not be able to take away uh, your boss, right? Or the kid's school calling or a special project or traffic or uh, the holidays, right? History, whatever. We can't take away that stress, but we can we cannot add to it with our diet, which is going to make us more resilient and more in control 
to deal with the stress. Um, and also I do a lot of Wim Hof breathing and uh, the cold exposure. Those things I think have been huge in terms of gaining top-down control of my physiology. Um, you know, I think that the nutrition has gotten me to a point to where I can do these other things. Um, and in regards to Wim Hof, and I won't go too far down the Wim Hof hole, uh, but in regards to Wim Hof, just deciding my mood, I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be short, even though these things are my nature. I'm rude, short, and anxious. Um, I can choose to be different and I can choose my response. Um, and I can choose my mood because I'm in control now. Um, and I didn't just get here overnight. It, it took a long time, but feeding my body what it actually needs has been a crucial step. And I could do the Wim Hof and I could do jujitsu and I could do red light, but if I do the nutrition piece wrong, uh, that house of cards falls apart in my experience and opinion. I mean, that's absolutely perfect. I'm, I'm so pleased you put it like that because that's the reason why I always shout out about nutrition and lifestyle. Once you get your nutrition right, you can then adapt your lifestyle to the way you want it. If your nutrition falls apart, your lifestyle falls apart. If your lifestyle's not right, perhaps your nutrition's not right. So they go together as one. That's why lots of people I speak to, I always ask them about um, putting in extra acute stresses after they've sorted out their nutrition, because it also helps to build your lifestyle, to build a better nutritional lifestyle. So I'm pleased that you've <laughs> reiterated that point for me. That's great. And if we can, I don't want to take up all your time today. I, I realize we could talk for hours, but <laughs> we've got busy things to do. You've got so many kids to go see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Only two of them are here now. So oh, that's great. <laughs> so tell people again where they can follow you uh, on Instagram and anything else as well. Where If you're anywhere else or a website or anything like that, where can people find you? It's on Instagram and it's at animal based lifestyle. Uh, that's my only social media. None of it's even under my real name, there's no Facebook, there's no TikTok, there's no Snapchat. Uh, I'm just on Instagram, you know, just kind of sharing my, my journey there um, and, and connecting with the community uh, you know, or being kind of attacked by them, I guess, depends on what the mood of the community is that given day. Uh, but it's, it's wonderful. And I've gotten to meet so many great people on Instagram and, you know, be inspired by others and see their amazing journeys. And, you know, it's all been truly positive overall. Um, and I just kind of want to share with the average person what what benefit we can get, um, you know, from things that really aren't that hard to accomplish. Yeah, you're doing a great job. It's a great profile. I'll advise anybody to go follow you, follow along with you, see all the great content you're putting out there. And I thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your experience with us. It's been great to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it.